Liverpool Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. How have you been? What have you been up to? It's yet another episode of the Paul Leslie Hour. And this time around, we've got a two-for-one. We have an interview, of course. What would the Paul Leslie Hour be without an interview? And we have a moon pie tasting. You know, the delicious confections that come from that bakery in Chattanooga that have the outrageous Twitter account to match. Yes, moon pies. More on that in just a moment. The guest on this episode is John Murray. He's an actor, a writer. He originally comes from Illinois, and we had this light-hearted conversation back on my birthday, which is in early September, in case you're wondering. So it was on my birthday two years ago, 2016. It was originally broadcast on FM radio, and I thought, let's bring this one back out for the podcast. There's a lot of things you can learn from John Murray. He grew up in a big family. He spent quite a number of years in the service industry, not unlike myself on both accounts. He's a very nice guy. I've enjoyed getting to know him a little bit. A little more on his background. He's an actor, a writer, an artisan. You've seen him in such films as Moving Violations, Scrooged, Caddyshack, not to mention his writing credits. And the question arose, what interview do we pair with the moon pie tasting? I don't know John Murray that well, but something tells me he's okay with this. The Moon Pie Bakery in Chattanooga, Tennessee, sent me a giant box full of the Moon Pie Minis. I decided to invite my friend Andrew to come over, and we taped a sampling. We tried each kind. We talked a little bit about what we liked, compared them to one another. We also had it videotaped. Our friend David Hoosier of Hoosier Father Productions filmed it, so it should be hitting YouTube possibly today. you want to check that out. So stay tuned after the John Murray interview for the Moon Pie Sampling. I won't keep you waiting anymore. Let's get into the interview with John Murray. Ladies and gentlemen, the man we're talking to, this is John Murray. He's a man who's worn a lot of hats in his life. Actor in film and television, writer, bartender. So of all the things that you have pursued in this life of ours, which one would you say you've been the most passionate about? Ooh, uh, well, writing, definitely writing. But I've been told I was always the happiest when I was, I do decorative finishes, gold leafing and marbling and artist, industrial art, cheesecake factories, things like that, stores like that, Henry Bendel stores. And gold, when you when you work with with gold, gold leafing, I wind up dreaming about gold, but not gold leaf like sunken treasure gold and gold bars. <laughs> it's, it just makes me happy. Interesting. So, like the the cheesecake factory in Atlanta, that uh, kind of like you put the finishing touches. Is that what you're saying? Not that one. They're they're, they're expanding. They're, 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 there's hundreds of them. I, I could have done the one in, I was invited to do the one in Beirut. And I had to say no to that. Uh, I'm a coward. 
<laughs> Boston, Chestnut Hill, that was fun. That, you know, it's like, no, I think I'll stay here. <laughs> it's, it's hard work, and uh, you, you, at the end of the day, you feel you've created something tangible you can touch and look at and say, yeah, I did that. I'll make people happy with that, including myself. <laughs> and the writing, what, what kind of things do you enjoy writing the most? Comedy with a K. I've done a lot of ghostwriting. But, you know, my name is not on, but people acknowledge it and say, yeah, that's your line. I've written some stuff for my brother Bill. I've written, uh, I wrote for a show called The New Show, which was Lauren Michaels' Friday Night, Saturday Night Live. It was prime time, though, when he was off SNL. And uh, we were doing well. We had, the regulars were John Candy and Dave Thomas and Buck Henry and amazing guests. And the ratings were good. But then NBC came in with this new show, this new Miami cop show. I don't know what they were thinking. And they replaced us with that, dating myself. Yeah, we got, we got replaced by Miami Vice. That was, that was a good gig. What was Lauren Michaels like? to be around. He's a funny guy. He's, you know, very dry. I, I, I've always gotten along with him. Um, he's a, he's, he's a gentleman. He's a classy guy. You have to kind of stand up straighter when, when Lauren's around and like, Oh, better bring my A game. Don't, don't be an idiot. And he could, he, he can dismiss you with, you know, a quick cutting comment. And you realize, oh, this guy's good. I I better be better. And uh, you do. That's why he's still at it after all these years, doing real well at what he does. So you you're interested in particular in comedy. Who would you say has influenced you in your comedic writing and just in your comedic style? Wow, good question. Well, I think it all goes back to Groucho. He, uh, he's the guy. And, uh, I think I was, <laughs> this came up recently that, uh, you know, Tiger Woods started golfing at five years old and that's why he's good. Myself, I started going to second city when I was in about sixth, seventh grade. And I was seeing Bill Murray, Gilda Radner, John Belushi, Harold Ramis, John Candy on stage when I was in grade school saying, yeah, these guys are funny. They just kind of go. They just kind of go wherever it takes them. And uh, that's probably had a big influence. Sure. Crowd show in Second City. <laughs> what about the uh, the comedic movies that you saw maybe in your younger days? Were there any that stick out in your mind? Mm. Well... I think my taste evolved, of course. But again, it all goes back to Groucho. You know, I'd be quiet sneaking around as a kid because Marx Brothers were coming on, a movie was coming on at 10 o'clock. And the screams and laughter would alert my parents that we were watching the Marx Brothers, and then uh, they'd wind up watching with us. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that brings to mind this. Tell us your vivid memories of growing up. 
What was the house like? Our house was a zoo. I didn't realize it at the time. It was what it, what, what I grew up with, what, what it was. There's, I'm eight of nine kids. And uh, just getting everybody, I remember getting everybody, without, before I went to, started going to school, the mayhem of getting all the kids out and the girls, the three sisters, you know, that's my skirt. I'm wearing that. Nah, nah, nah. Fights and dragging people out of bed and dumping water on them. And like, yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you. Know, wow. Good thing they're finally gone. Right, mom? We can sit down and relax a bit. Enjoy your, your coffee. <laughs> <laughs> it was always, there was a lot going on. And then we had, in our hometown, we had on the west of us was the, my mom's brother's family, the Collinses. They they had nine kids also. And on the east was the Brennans. They only had five. Only five? Only five. We're so sorry. So there was a lot of drop-in business. We were in the middle of it. Okay, and we were two blocks from the school and church. So, yeah, there's a basketball game at my house. Come on over. <laughs> There'd be 20 people waiting to play basketball. It was uh, it was always busy, always something going on. And usually dishes to be done. What kind of effect do you think it had coming from such a big family on your life? What kind of effect do you think that had? Oh, well, learn to deal with others and roll with the punches and find your privacy, <laughs> find out how to learn how to get away from it and relax. Could be, uh, going on a bike ride. It could be, uh, taking a walk. Could be locking the bathroom door. Could be locking the closet door. It could be anything, but mostly just, you know, rolling with the punches and realizing there's other people are have lives to live also besides your, whining, neediness. And what about you now? Would you say you're more of a, a social creature or more of a solitary man? Mm, I try to find a happy medium there. I uh, It's part of my birth sign to uh, cancer the crab. I, 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 like, I like my solitude and quiet, but... Uh, I'm also the life of the party. There, I said it. <laughs> but, you know, you need, you need a break. You need your quiet time to get it together. One of the things that we kind of connected with on social media was, uh, tell us about the experience of meeting Studs Terkel. And just to give the listeners a little context, he was a Chicago institution. He interviewed just thousands and thousands of people for the radio, the Studs Terkel program. Tell us about that experience. Well, also his books. He really started the, uh, oh, what's the phrase, the talking interview books. Working is probably his most famous. But he was a legend in Chicago institution. And I was in New York and with Billy Bill and he said, you know, well, we're going to this party on 57th Street, some, some fancy lady's party on 57th Street. And I was like, I don't know, this is the, the classy people. I don't belong here. And all of a sudden it was 
Eric Idle and John Cleese and uh, Shelley Duvall. And I'm kind of, you know, I'm intimidated. I was 21 or something, 22 maybe. And in, in walks Doug Turkle. Oh my, and then my jaw really got, wow, it's him. He's, he's wearing the red check shirt. It's, it's really him. It can't be anybody else. And I introduced myself and started talking. And within minutes, I realized he was interviewing me. And, and, you know, he wasn't taking notes, but you could see he was like trying to remember stuff like, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And what kind of bicycle did you ride? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> good question, Studs. But how did, I, I forget his answer, but I asked him, how did you get the name Studs? <laughs> good name. <laughs> <laughs> we had a few laughs. He was a wonderful man. And he was, you know, on the radio, not on the president, but it was like, you know, if you ever felt you need to get a little smarter, educate yourself, and, oh, studs, yeah, I'll listen to this. Oh, interesting. I learned something. Good man. Great man. Something that I think everyone who has ever been in the service industry, whether they were a bartender or a waiter, I feel that there's like a, a sense of fraternity there yes yeah me included you were a bartender at the hard rock cafe in new york city now there must have been some experiences there oh boy (laughs) yeah boy well that was it was when it first opened and it was just a, a house of fire so to speak and i was a fast bartender and so I was, they put me on the downstairs guitar shaped bar because it was cash only and it was just go, 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 go. No messing with credit card machines and stuff. Just go, go, go. And uh, one night it was, I set the record for the bar. It was $5,000, I remember. And that's when a bottle of Rolling Rock was two twenty-five. <laughs> wow. It, and there was just a, it, you couldn't keep up. It was just, so fast and furious, but there'd be moments where all of a sudden the, you, the whole place burst into applause. Like, what's going on? And turn around and look, and oh, it's Willie Nelson coming down the, the staircase. Like, well, that's mm-hmm. it was Dolly Parton. Like, <laughs> oh, interesting, interesting. And also, they would always uh, call in at, at the busiest time of night and say, "Great!" And, and they make an announcement. You know, there's like a thousand people in the restaurant, and they. They make an announcement. Great news! Uh, we've bought the, the, we've secured the new location for the Hard Rock Reykjavik. <laughs> uh, we, the restaurant would like to buy the house around. No, three <laughs> <laughs> drinks for everybody because we're, they bought a restaurant, you know, ten thousand miles away. All right, all right, they're just throwing those rolling rocks at people, and, but when they're free drinks, they want. They want something a little more complicated and expensive than a 225 rolling rock. <laughs> if we could put you back in those days, if there was somebody who was coming aboard, what advice would you give a new a newcomer in the bar business? Wow. Throw them in the deep end. <laughs> Say they, also the guitar bar was the waiting area. You know, where you wait for your table, and everyone would 
put in their funny names. And there were nights where there was 200, you know, parties with four for DeLorean. And everybody was in a, a good mood, but then they, they started getting angry about waiting for their table. And you just throw a joke at them, keep moving, keep moving, and get them talking to the other people. That's what I learned. Get them, have you met these guys? They're from Cleveland. <laughs> and, and then run away and make more drinks. And, and by the time you come back, you're like, this guy's the greatest bartender in the world. They're probably the greatest bartender in the history of mankind. Like, yep, yep, yep. Another rolling act. Thank you. <laughs> and that was all. Just keep moving. Stay on your toes. That's it. That's my advice. Because also, you get knocked over if you plant your feet. You have to work lightly. Stay agile. So stay on your toes, I think is my, my advice. You learn a lot. You learn a lot from, yeah, you learn a lot about people and, and life, bartending. As you were saying, there's a, there's a you know fraternity of service industry. And you can tell if you go out to dinner with people and how they treat their servers and so forth. It's like, you've never worked in a restaurant, have you? <laughs> I can tell you have never. Yeah, you, no, you don't do that. No, you don't. Man up and try to help. You know, it's, unless you're at the Four Seasons or someplace, you got to give a little help. Even then, you can tell people that have never worked in the service industry. But be nice. Be nice. They work hard. Well, outside of the service industry, just uh, throughout life, what do you think the best advice is for dealing with obnoxious or rude people? <laughs> <laughs> Well, depending on the situation, have a good bouncer comes in handy. <laughs> yeah, just kind of a large, intimidating presence helps a lot. Also, a dog. Dogs really settle down situations. Hmm. I worked in another place, JP's on First Avenue in New York, and they had George the Dog kind of a big, kind of a sheepdog mix. And there was live music, and the dog just sat at the front door, just lied on the floor, and got petted. Nothing ever happened when George was in the bar. It was like, you know, people just kind of walk and say, well, there's a dog. Okay. And he was, you know, part of the furniture, part of the makeup of the place. And Yeah, George is here. Yeah. George isn't here? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Something weird had happened. What was the question? <laughs> I was just asking you, dealing with obnoxious people in life, what do you do? Mm, well, kill them with kindness and humor helps. But try to uh, empathize and get on the same page with them and say, well, yeah, that's that's bad, but put the broken bottle down and... Uh, things will be better. You're not helping. Hmm. You're not making things better. We're talking with actor, writer, artisan, former bartender, John Murray. Hey, once a former bartender, always a former bartender. <laughs> well, on that note, what is your beverage of choice? Well, funny you should mention, I quit drinking 29 months ago. Oh, yeah? Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. But I enjoyed my cut of one vodka. I like tequila. I like beer. I don't miss it at all, but except 
glass of wine with dinner. That's what I really miss. It's it's sushi without sake is really weird. <laughs> <laughs> Steak without a glass of red wine, it's like what? What? But you know, to move on. Tonic water has become my drink of choice. How about that for weird? With a lime? Yeah. Well, without. Also, club so you can squeeze a whole orange into a glass, and uh, this is a former bartender speaking. Uh, you squeeze a whole orange into a glass and top it with club soda. Delicious. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Just delicious. Not not the stuff out of the can or whatever they got. Squeeze the orange and then club soda. Wonderful. Very good. Delightful. Well, maybe you could tell us a few of your writing credits. Well, uh, there was the new show. That doesn't that didn't make the cut. I've done a lot of ghost writing. I wrote for we had a show on Comedy Central called The Sweet Spot, which was the Murray Brothers go golfing. And boy did we have fun with that. And we were getting really good at it, but they uh they had a change in management, and uh, they called. They kept calling us in for meetings. And we, you know, we flew from LA to New York for a meeting one time uh, to renew for the next year with the, the outgoing president. We didn't know it at the time, and and Brother Bill even came to the meeting, and <laughs> and they were really shocked that he was there, and of course he was late, and he. How to defuse the situation? He came in and walked in and said, "Sorry, I'm. This is dated material. Um, I forget the guy's name." He said, "Sorry, I'm late. Uh, traffic uh, was real bad on the West Side Highway." Uh, what's the guy's name? He was one of J Lo's dancers, boyfriend, husbands. Yeah, he. I think he was in town. The West Side Highway is all plugged up. Boy, way to ruin a joke, John. What was that guy's name? One of her exes. Casper's, not Casper Smart, but it was like, sorry, traffic was really bad. I think Casper Smart's in town. <laughs> like the whole motorcade. <laughs> it was like, yeah, his motorcade held up traffic. Lindsay Lohan's motorcade had everybody backed up on the West Side Highway. There you go. In St. Augustine, Florida, there's this restaurant, Murray Brothers Caddyshack. Yeah. Yes, there is. Which every time I, I pass through, I always I always stop in. Oh, do you? Yeah, indeed, I do. So tell us about the place. Well, probably getting a lot of rain right now, and that t- tends to knock out the, the air conditioning and the direct TV. I don't know which is worse. People go nuts. Air conditioning they can live without for a brief period, but the direct TV, oh, boy. That's bad. It's a uh, it's a country club member's worst nightmare. I think it's it's not the Four Seasons. It's a happy, hopefully friendly, quality dining experience that is more of it's the theme. I guess is the caddies have taken over the restaurant, and. <laughs> And it's silly and fun, and it's, it's all about the food. It's all about the food. It wouldn't be in business if all the locals didn't come 
from St. Augustine, which is, you know, 20 minutes away. And then, no, I, I had to come. You got the best wings. You got the best. I come, I come here a couple times a week for the Chinese chicken salad. <laughs> really? And, and, and the corn, the corn chowder, the corn soup. I, you got to give Brother Andy credit for that. He's the, it's his idea. So he gets the credit there and, uh, He's a former chef, so he's got taste buds, and uh, the rest of us are, you know, the nine kids. Yeah, mom, that was good. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that, yeah. And we have a golf tournament every year that is uh, just ridiculous, silly, fun, and in the middle of it, people are signing up for the next year. And it sells out right away, instantly. So we say, well, I guess we're doing another next year. And we've had 16 of them now, 16th annual. Wow. But yeah, it's pretty good. We have some great guests, some great athletes, and the music is amazing. This year, we're almost sure my... Dear old friend, uh, Jimmy Vivino, will be playing. He's he's Conan's uh, Jimmy Vivino on the Basic Cable Band on the Conan O'Brien show. And he's dating myself again. There was a time when I said, I don't know when I grow up if I want to be Jimmy Vivino or Michael Jordan. And then, <laughs> and then Jordan started winning championships. But now he's retired, so I'm back to Jimmy. Jimmy hosted last night the tribute to B.B. King. He's he's kind of a big deal. He's kind of amazing. First time I saw Jimmy was at I was bartending at the bar in JP's, and it was a Tuesday, which is always kind of a weird music night. I'm like, oh God, who are these guys? Their name, I'm sorry, but their name was Love Balls. I don't know what it means still. And <laughs> and. Uh, like, oh boy, who are these clowns? What do they got? And the first song I started playing was Green Onions, Booker T and the MGs. So, oh, wait a minute. You guys can stay and come back. And it's it's still going on. He's still great. You sound like you're quite a music fan. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Got to have. Tell us about some of your favorites. Well, it changes minute to minute, day to day. I always find stuff on YouTube and click on uh, watch later, watch it, and then I click on watch later to make a playlist. I go back on these playlists and I'm like, wow, that's some great stuff. I like going back to Chicago radio days. Uh, there used to be blues after midnight on Sunday nights. And blues tells it. Blues Till Dawn, and they break out the real, the real stuff. Walter Johnson and the Crossroads uh, on to today. Oh, I like old blues. I, you know, your Led Zeppelin, your Rolling Stones, Beatles. Come on, today, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't really get the kids today with their music and their hair, but when you get them listening to some of this old stuff, wow, 
wow, this stuff's good. That's right. That's the Walter. That's, yeah. That's the real stuff. That's that your, you know, Justin Bieber is ripping off. Wow. This is amazing. Yep. Yep. And next, later, we'll be watching John Wayne movies. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be learning a lot about life. Do you have yeah. a favorite all-time song? You know, it changes, but it keeps going back for some reason to Cashmere by Led Zeppelin. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I bounce all over the place, but then I hear that again. And say, you know, that's like the best song. And it's fun to play that with... Uh, <laughs> you probably remember uh, the epic movie Godzilla when P. Diddy did a version of it with Jimmy Page, and they did a version of it on Saturday Night Live with like a hundred-piece orchestra dressed in white. And it was <laughs> amazing. So they that back-to-back -back with the original. You're good for the whole day. <laughs> you, 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 you know, you can take that 10-mile walk and kind of have that buzzing in your brain. And I'll get you there. Now, this does not imply a favorite, this next question. If you were to take a road trip from the East Coast to the West Coast, Donna, Maine to California Donna. with one of your brothers, who would you choose to sit in the passenger seat and why? Wow. Wow. That's a... That's a I can get in trouble here. <laughs> Well, first off, I've never been to Maine. I've never been to Maine, Alaska, Idaho, or Oregon. I've only been to 46 states. So that would be someone with knowledge up there. Um, probably get... <laughs> okay, we get out of speeding tickets with Brother Bill. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> but you'd have to listen to him. We've done it before. We drove um, from... L.A. to San Francisco to Aspen and then nonstop to Davie, Florida to shoot Caddyshack. That was my first cross-country drive and a real education. <laughs> because at the front end, we, uh, it was his last day of shooting near the Buffalo Room. And uh, it was my first time in California and uh, there was Hunter Thompson. And then... Uh, we went up and visited aunt and uncle up north, San Francisco way, Napa Valley way. And then in Aspen, we met up with Jimmy Buffett. Did not see Hunter Thompson there. And then the nun, we drove across Texas in one night. We were, we were going fast. And we, we caught a hurricane, oh, Hurricane Frederick. It hit Mobile, Alabama. That complicated things. And then uh, we got to Florida and, you know, it was, Harold and Jody and Rodney Dangerfield. So <laughs> that was that was a good trip. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you... it was a it was a seventy two Honda Civic, and not a lot of legs. It was all legs. <laughs> not a lot of room. It was all boys. The car give you any trouble? No. No, <laughs> it was great. In fact, one, at one point. Uh, Bill barked at me uh, to 
I have to be in Florida in two day, three days, and you're only going 85 miles an hour. Come on. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> we, we flew, and we never got stopped somehow. You mentioned a couple of people that uh, in their circles are definitely legends. Hunter S. Thompson, Jimmy Buffett in the world of tropical folk, whatever he does. Who mm -hmm. have you met in this life that you were in awe of? There was a time, one time I was sat with, uh, it was Harold Conrad, who's the boxing promoter, who the uh, movie The Harder They Fall was based on. And it was me, Harold Conrad, Hunter Thompson, Norman Mailer, and Bill Murray. And you're probably wondering what those other guys were doing at the same table with me, but that was, uh, I, I <laughs> Billy laughed at me. He said, wow, you had to just, just lock down. And I had nothing to say. <laughs> I was, I was, I went a little pale, I think. I was like, what am I doing in this, in this fast company? And, uh, don't remember much of what they said because I was just trying to keep my jaw off the floor. <laughs> Later that evening, I watched uh, Norman Mailer dance with Regine. That was something to see. That was something, a sight to behold. He doesn't, Norman didn't really dance. He, he kind of shadow boxed with Regine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, he had an interesting dance style. With, he was shadow boxing, really. Working a speed bag with the queen of disco. This is kind of a silly question, but I think that this will reveal something. Suppose that the Murray brothers bumped into the Baldwin brothers someplace. Hmm. And uh, we're, you know, I'm sure you're all peaceful people, but something happens, and it gets heated. <laughs> Who's going to win in a fight? Who's going to win? Right. They don't have a chance. There's conflict coming. I don't know how many Baldwin brothers there are, but there's six Murray brothers, <laughs> and and yeah, we'll we'll kind of we'll hit them with a tsunami of love, of course. But we also have some very large guys. Bill is he's a, people don't really, he's big, he's big, he's wide. Andy is very large. Joel is very large, and. Uh, Brian is very vocal. <laughs> He'd probably start it. He'd probably be in the middle of it, and then uh, the rest would finish it off. <laughs> I would stand at the back and offer encouragement because I because I bartended. I know better. I would look for a bat. I'd be out back looking for a golf club or something. And by the time I get back, it'd be over. So are, is there anything in the horizons with John Murray? Yes. I was. I have I've written a thing, and we had a big meeting I was looking forward to yesterday. But it being L.A. the night before, they said, yeah, uh, it turns out it's Labor Day this weekend. Um, can we do this next Wednesday? So it's the you know traditional hurry up and wait L.A. thing. 
but it's with a big uh, production company. I can't name names. He's famous fellow as the head of it. And uh, it's really pretty perfect for uh, both sides. And they wouldn't be calling us in if they didn't like it. So wouldn't be requesting a meeting with us. So knock wood on that. And then you'll be seeing that on the air somewhere in the future. Very good. Yes. What is the best thing about being John Murray? <laughs> um, I have the rest of the day off except for a three o'clock meeting, and then it's and then it's Labor Day weekend. So right now, that's the best thing. People like me, and uh, I get to fly under the radar. I kind of get a pass, I guess. Yeah, he's okay. Yeah, yeah. No, he can. No, he can stay. He's family. <laughs> I get that a lot. Like, no, no, you're family. But I don't want to hear your reading of the will. <laughs> no, no, you're family. It's okay. I don't know. People just say, "Yeah, he's okay." He's, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know what the best part of being John Murray is, but it's good to be me. What would you say to anyone listening in to our interview? Put down the phone. Put down your, quit texting. Quit texting. Keep your eyes on the road. I imagine they're in the car listening. There's many, there's many possibilities here, but I live in LA and quit texting while you're driving. It scares me. It's the law. Everybody breaks it when you see cops doing it too. It's, it's really bad. I'm a, I'm a walker, and if you walk in LA, you got to look out for the textures because they run you over. It's not a second And you see all the you know horns blaring and people screeching on their brakes. Somebody's texting, and accidents, of course. Wow. Well, my last question for our special guest, John Murray. In your own words, who is John Murray? Who's John Murray? You know, I thought I knew that, and then I'm, I'm looking at my third-place trophy I received from uh, the Canal Shores Invitational Golf Tournament. It's Joel Murray's Joel Murray and Friends Golf Tournament. Came in third place. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm not a good golfer. And good guys on my team. Uh, but I played with, you know, you meet the guys you play with on the tee, and it's like one of them is my guy I work with, and my nephew, Drew, who's a real good golfer. And it was it was benefiting first responders. And, and this is Captain Phil, that was Phil Miller. And uh, I go, oh, nice name. And uh, this is the guy who works with him, John Murray. What? John X. Murray, nice fella, fireman, firefighter out of Chicago. So, what was the question again? <laughs> Something about being John Murray. Who is John Murray? Who is John Murray? John Murray is the guy you want to sit down at the bar and have a drink with, even though he's not drinking. Wow. I said that. <laughs> Yeah, that's what usually happens. That's what, yeah, that, that's what I got bartending. It's like, I just want to hang out here with you. All right. 
Put your money on the bar, please. <laughs> <laughs> Pay in advance. You, you can only do that at bars. You can't do that in life unless you're doing something illegal, I think. And I wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Thank you, Paul. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Now I can relax for five hours. Maybe I'll get some red. Well, thanks for joining us, and perhaps our paths will cross again. Okay. Let's make that happen. All right. Godspeed. All right. Thank you. Take care now. So, folks, that was the John Murray interview. Let me know what you think. And now, it's time for the Moon Pie Tasting. I will take you there. Hey, it's me. I'm joined by Andrew Conaway. And thank you to Janice McFarland and Tori Johnston of the Moon Pie Bakery in Chattanooga, Tennessee. They sent us quite a package, and I've been sitting on it for a while. And, uh, Andrew, let's, uh, let's talk about some of the flavors here. All right. Okay. What are you seeing? I'm seeing some banana, some chocolate, strawberry, uh, vanilla, and the sleeper pick, the salted caramel. Salted caramel. And is there anyone in particular that is getting your immediate attention? You know, I think the salted caramel, just because I did not know that flavor of moon pie existed until this moment. So I am quite intrigued right now. In fact, did you know that there were this many flavors, period? You know, I don't think I did. I, You know, in essence, I just only think of the chocolate when I think of moon pie and maybe strawberry, but the being, classic. I'm being enlightened right now. This is, this is amazing. Okay, well, we're going to try one of each, possibly more than one of each, depending on how we feel, and uh, give kind of our feedback. So it sounds like you want to start with the salted caramel. You know, I feel like that's a good place to start. Right. And these are the minis. Not your big boys. Such a little. Oh, that sounds threatening. Huh. That's a terrifying. And uh, by the way, congratulations to Moon Pie on 101 years. Oh, goodness. All right, so we're starting with salted caramel. Nothing wrong with that. That's good stuff. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the mini size? When I saw on the package that it said minis, I was thinking, I was thinking a little smaller actually. This is that's not quite as miniature as I expected. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's good to know Moon Pie is not stingy on their portions. Mm -hmm. They treat you right with their miniature as well as their regular size. Okay, so Andrew wanted to start with salted caramel, and since he's the guest, I did what he wanted to do. I wanted to start with vanilla because I wanted to start with the most neutral flavor. So I'm going to move on to vanilla. 
Now, what are your thoughts? What do you, what do you think about how do you, how do you think this vanilla is going to be? You know, that's why it's one of those flavors that I don't know if I've tried before. So I don't know if I've had a vanilla mood pie either. I wonder if it's going to be more of a vanilla bean flavor or just a kind of standard vanilla. All right. So thank you, sir. One for you, one for me. All right. Only 110 calories. You know? It's a small price to pay. You know what? Cheers. Cheers. Very subtle. Mm-hmm. I think this is for someone who wants something more neutral. This is not quite as overpowering. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You like it more than the caramel? Or less than the caramel? Or about the same? I'll say this. I think I could eat more of these mm-hmm. if I had to, just because they're a little bit more neutral. Mm-hmm. But I kind of like the... The little additional flavors that the salted caramel provided. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'm going to let you pick the next one. Oof. I feel like you're eyeballing the banana. I might want to try there. How'd you know? You know, just, I can read people. Now, what do you envision here for the banana? See, that's, that's one that I don't know because... Banana uh, flavoring, to me, has never resembled banana in actuality, so I'm curious to see if they capture the essence of the banana here. Let's see if I can open this box. Up. Thank you. Okay. Very intriguing flavor. Banana. Is this your first time with banana? I think... I think it is. I think so. Right off the bat, it smells of banana. Gosh, very banana. Mmm. That's good. Mmm. I think that's definitely the strongest flavor so Mm -hmm. far. You know what it reminds me of? that reminds me of like banana pudding Mm -hmm. you know the dessert and banana and sweetness together it almost kind of resembles the textures of it too a little Mm -hmm. bit you're not always in a place where you can get banana pudding this is kind of like to go travel size banana pudding Mm -hmm. no spoon necessary okay Comparing the banana to the vanilla and the salted caramel. I think so far banana reigns supreme. I think so. I think so. Definitely the most potent flavor profile. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, would you say that it tastes like artificial banana or does it taste like real banana? Mm-hmm. I would say more, more of the real banana than I imagined. Mm-hmm. 
Because if you think of like a banana popsicle, that's a very distinct flavor that mm-hmm. doesn't really resemble bananas at all. Mm-hmm. But that, that, like you said, that tastes like banana pudding. So, okay. So while we're on fruit, I think it's only natural that we dip into the strawberry. a change in the color profile they sent us two strawberry by the way but they don't have as many there's six each in the strawberry one which i don't know if there's a story behind that but i wonder if it's a less popular selling flavor okay here we go Kind of makes me think of like a like a strawberry preserve almost. Mm-hmm. Like if you took the vanilla and put strawberry preserves on it, I think this is what you would come up with. You know, I don't want to offend anybody in these politically correct times, but this seems like this would be very popular with girls. You could see that. I could see that. Thanks for not leaving me there, just hanging all along. I would never wish to do so. So that leaves us with where it all started. It's true. The classic. It all comes back to you. But you've had a classic. Mm. Going to end strong. Something hearty. Oh, wait. The strawberry when compared to the others. Thoughts? Um... It, it resembles the banana and the strong flavor profile, but I still think the banana reigns supreme so far. Yeah. So I'll say somewhere in between banana and vanilla. Okay. And now, the classic. Chocolate. Chocolate. Okay. Definitely a stronger contrast from the other flavors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Less fruity. This might be the incorrect word, but a little more savory almost because it's it's not quite as fruity. So obviously, so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can definitely see why this is the classic flavor, though. Yeah, compared to the others. See, I always like to start where it comes from, you know. I always like to hold true. There's a reason this is the original, so. Is it the best? I don't know. That's kind of tough. It's tough. Mm-hmm. I mean, thankfully, we live in a world where we don't have to pick a favorite. We can enjoy them all. This is true. In a six-pack or a 12-pack. So, this is how we're going to end the taste test. I'm going to close my eyes. 
You're going to go for the one that you like the best mm -hmm. and put it in front of me. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to do the same. Okay. All right. I'm not looking at it, okay. but I'm going to do the same. All right. My eyes are closed. Okay. Now, don't look. Cover it with your hands. Okay. Now, we're both going to open our eyes. What do you think I placed before you? Don't look. Oh, like a kid at Christmas right now. Um, I'm leaning towards chocolate. Okay. I feel like there's a reason you saved that for last. I think that you put before me the banana. Mm. All right. Let's do the big reveal. Right. It is a back banana. I don't know if it you is. can tell. It is. We are two for two. Okay. Well, finish strong. Classic flavor right there. Mm -hmm. I kind of don't want this to stand. Doesn't look like it has to. Feel like a child all over again. Thanks, folks, for joining us. I think we all learned a little something today. What did you learn? Moon pies reign supreme. Moon pies reign supreme. I think that if I learned anything today, it's that I can, in fact, eat seven mini moon pies. <laughs> That's a good thing to learn about yourself if I ever know. Thank you so much, sir. My pleasure. I was waiting for like the ranking order. Oh, well, shall we? Shall we come back in? We can come. We can come back in and say, you know what? All right, you guys ready? Okay. So this is kind of the uh, the director's cut, I guess you could say. Um, we're going to rank them. This might be difficult. There's a lot of options here. Yeah. Do we start with the best and go backwards, or do we start with... What do we do here? Oh, that's tough. I say we start with the one that we, we like, because obviously we liked all of them, but we start with the one that was... 
we were neutral on, or not neutral. We were more. Uh, it was not as favored as the others. What would it be for you? I think I'd go with vanilla for that, just okay. because of the neutrality of the flavor there. Okay. Hmm. See, I would say the strawberry. That was my other option. I feel like the two of those are pretty interchangeable because I did like the strawberry, but it was a little, a little bit more potent with its sweetness than I expected. So. Okay, so we know that strawberry and vanilla are tied for the 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 first slot. Mm-hmm. Okay, so moving up the ladder, a little better than the vanilla and strawberry would be. What? Probably the salted caramel. I was going to say salted caramel. Okay, so definitely the next one up is the salted caramel. Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, a little too sweet for me in some ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I liked it, but not as much as the others. Okay, the next level from there. This is where we're going to disagree, I think. This is tough, yeah. The second place. See, I want to say... I want to say banana because I'm such a classic person, but mm-hmm. but I think I might have liked the banana a little bit more than chocolate, so I might have to go with chocolate in second place. It's tough, but then we're, we're disagreeing again. Um, I kind of like the chocolate the most. I did like the banana a great deal. So they're tied for first. That's, that's kind of... I, you know, I'm not completely sold on that, but I'll, I'll stand by it. I think chocolate, you know... I think I got to give it some some points for the fact that it started this all. It's the original. Okay. So, yeah, maybe number one, Chuck. Banana's shortly behind. Okay. The Paul Leslie Hour is hosted, produced, and written by Paul Leslie for Lifestyles Entertainment and Media. The Paul Leslie theme song composed, recorded, and produced by Jeff Pike. Outro music, composed, recorded, and produced by John Goodwin, originally appearing in the short film Malukas and Vulnerable Jelly Things. Please consider subscribing to the Paul Leslie Hour, and if you like us, give us a review. It'll help other people to find this content. All past interviews are also available on YouTube. For more information, you can visit thepaulleslie.com and be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Paul Leslie. Thanks for listening. Be good.